0: Welcome to Analyze Asia, the podcast dedicated to dissect the pulse of technology, media, and business in Asia. The show is sponsored by IdealWorkspace.com, which promotes a healthier way of working through their adjustable standing desks, and Linksys, the place where you can sell your products everywhere. Hi Rama.
1: Hi Bernard, how are you?
0: I am well. How are things going on in Indonesia?
1: Uh, The internet industry has been super exciting, as you guys already, you know, read on the tech blogs and uh, websites. It's been super, super exciting. A lot of new things happening and it's doing very, very well.
0: And we are talking to Rama from Daily Social. And everyone in Southeast Asia, we call him the Mike Arrington plus Ohm combined.
1: Oh, that's... no... I'm nowhere near any of those guys.
0: Okay, but you run the largest tech blog daily social in Indonesia. So it must be very busy for you now, given that there is a lot of investment rounds happening in, in Indonesia, mainly in Jakarta, right?
1: Yes, 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 that's true. Actually, I would like to see more investment happening outside of Jakarta, but I think that is still uh, yet to be seen.
0: What are the main areas people are investing into? Is it mainly on e-commerce? I mean, we have an earlier conversation where you kind of give us an overview of the Indonesia landscape. Are there some significant areas where it's getting more investment than the others?
1: So I think starting from last year and still goes on until right about now, E-commerce is still basically the main player when it comes to investments. Even M&As. I mean there's not a lot of M&As going on, but most of them are circling around e-commerce industry and the business around it. So I think e-commerce still plays a magnificent role in, in the in growing the industry in general because it's something that investors see can directly make money. And Indonesia still has A lot of challenges on making money, for example, from content, from mobile apps. So I think it's still hard to make money from those areas outside of e-commerce. So that's probably why... E-commerce is still the main go-to investment for uh, investors, both from Indonesia, local players, and also from out of Indonesia.
0: I think you have something like a growth of year-on-year 20% for internet users. I mean, this is based on some stats from eMarketer. I think somewhere around 102 million over users, which is almost half your population, right?
1: That's about right, yeah.
0: I wanted to talk to you because I have heard a lot about this company called Matahari Mall which is formed Mm -hmm. by the Lippo Group and they are going in e-commerce a big way against Lazada, which is owned by Rocket Internet. So Mm -hmm. maybe you can help me a little bit. Matahari Mall is owned by a conglomerate called the Lippo Group. Who are they and why are they influential in the Indonesia landscape?
1: So Lippo Group has... Well, I think they've been around since a very, very long time in Indonesia, one of the biggest conglomerate in the country, making money mostly from real estate. They also have like hospitals, shopping malls, a lot of shopping malls, university. So they are... uh I, I, I talked to one one of the guys there, and he basically said that the philosophy of Lipo is basically just a as a bridge to bridge American culture to Indonesia. So if you see all their uh, shopping mall properties, hospitals, and other properties that they have in Indonesia, it's very U.S. centric. And their uh, their online venture actually started back in. Two thousand, when the first internet hype happened in Indonesia, and back then they they also invested a lot in. They started this uh, company called uh, lipo Shop, Mm. which is basically back then they claim again uh, it's it's one of the biggest e-commerce company in Indonesia. It was phone based though, uh, so it was uh, an online and phone based. They had huge uh, warehouses. Outside of Jakarta, and they invested a lot. It was a uh, you know the the news is all over the place. So it's almost if you're if you were in the industry, it's almost impossible that you didn't hear about Lipo Shop. Unfortunately, that failed horribly, and uh, I think they only went alive for like like three four years. They shut it down. They actually hired uh, a lot of e-commerce uh, executives from US. So companies like Amazon back then, eBay, they poached bring it to Indonesia to run their company uh, here in Indonesia. And the same thing goes for the second e-commerce uh, venture, which is Matahari Mall. Mm. So Matahari is actually uh, just a retail, one of the biggest retail for, usually they sell like fashion. One of the biggest one in Indonesia, and they are planning to build uh, an online presence for Matahari, yeah, they raised, well, they claim they have invested like $500 million for the company. They hired uh, some of the best e commerce guys in the industry. They hired even former, even their board of directors are, you know, some really awesome people. They started off really really big but they have yet to launch so i think there's a lot of uh, homework for them to do
0: right so i kind of saw did some work on looking at lipo group they control something like 15 billion in assets and their current yeah. market capitalization is about us 1.9 billion in indonesia stock exchange i think they're listed indonesia yeah stock exchange, that sounds
1: right? about right yeah that's true
0: so in the new mataharimall.com because they already have a physical location, which is the normal shopping malls, hypermarts. Mm-hmm. So now they're moving into e-commerce. So mm-hmm. is it a corporate venture or is it a startup? I mean, it's kind of like the, the way they have been pitching themselves in all conferences is like, we are a new startup. We have hired the best and the brightest. I know they also hired awesome CEOs of startups in Singapore and yeah. also start, uh, <laughs> startups in Indonesia and also push yeah. from yeah. Yeah, guys from e-commerce. So tell me a little bit about the Matahari yeah, Mall so, footprint.
1: So, one of the interesting part about Matahari Mall and its relationship with, with Lipo Group as a whole is that the idea actually comes from uh, above. So, from the very, very top lepo, level of Lipo Group. They said that, okay, we have all these offline shops and... Apparently, everyone is, you know, doing e-commerce these days. People shop online. The direction comes from the top level of Lippo Group saying that we have to go into e-commerce. So it's something that is not coming from the bottom uh, layer of the the group. It's very, it's very high-profile. That's why they have like 100% full support and hired the top guys. They got the top venture money from inside the group you know you can only imagine with a level of support like that you basically it's almost like limitless support basically in terms of financial support government lobbying support talent support whatever you need it's there for you so when they position themselves as a startup i completely agree because they actually operate like a startup so they start very early. They do testings. They experiment with a lot of things as well. So the CEO, Hariyandas, which is, uh, you know, I, I had the opportunity to have a dinner with him a few times. They're experimenting with a lot of things. They don't know exactly what works, what's not, until they uh, finally do the experiments. So I think that kind of, you know, proves their their startup DNA. It's it's inside them. But most people see oh it's a five hundred million dollar investment, and it's um, you know it's backed by one of the biggest conglomerate group in Indonesia. That's not a startup anymore. It's like yeah, probably. So it's I think it's a hybrid between the two because in one side you are experimenting with a lot of things. You're spe- experimenting with business model, experimenting with design, product, and everything. But on the other side, you have support with one of the biggest companies in Indonesia. So, hmm. you know, I think it's a hybrid between the two. So Hadi,
0: uh, winners, the current CEO, who did he okay. report to? Is it to the Hypermite group or is it directly to the top of the Lippo group?
1: Oh, he's reporting directly to the top level of Lipo group, like on the very, very high level.
0: So there is was John Reddy, right? This person who's also been in the conference circuit who's also talking about the e-commerce potential.
1: I actually heard it's even one level above John Riedi. I I haven't been able to confirm this, but I I heard it's actually the founder of Lipo Group, like like the founder, like John Riedi's father. Wow. So, uh, again, I haven't been able to confirm this, mm-hmm. but, you know, I keep hearing people say this.
0: I saw sort I of wanted to put in some numbers to help because um, currently I think the retail sales in Indonesia is something about $473 billion. I think online yep. estimate is only about nearly to $3.6 billion and it's only about yep. 0.7% of the entire. So, given that e-commerce is going to grow. So, one of the things I'm trying to also look at because I also visit mataharimall.com. I am sort of wondering, are they going to become like a e-commerce aggregator site like Amazon and Lazada, or are they going to be similar to a market site like Tokopedia who have raised a lot of money from SoftBank? And
1: mm-hmm.
0: is the focus going to be the, not just the online, but also the integration of the online and the offline together?
1: So one of their biggest advantages is they have this offline presence and not just Matahari uh, supermarket. But also Hypermart and Lipo also have a few properties that they claim they're going to use in support of uh, the website, the mataharimall.com. And uh, they're actually one of the largest uh, fashion retail chain in uh, most of the big islands in Indonesia. So Sumatra, Java, and uh, I think also Sulawesi. So I think that's their biggest advantage uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, logistic issue, which is, I think a lot of people will agree that it's one of the biggest challenges in Indonesia for an e-commerce company to operate. Again, they haven't launched yet and Hadi won't t- tell me anything about the website or even the plan or even the launch date in that matter. But... I heard from some people that it's going to be a combination of both they're selling their own stock from Matahari Mall and also Hypermart. So Matahari is actually going to be like the backbone for fashion items, while Hypermart would be the grocery part because it's more like groceries, right? Mm -hmm. So I think they're going to use both uh, selling their own properties, but they are also open to have uh, other partners to sell their items through mataharimall.com.
0: You brought a very good point about their influence in other places other than Jakarta. I mean, a lot of people, when they looked at Indonesia market and a lot of the sort of internet startups popping up, currently is only in Jakarta. You haven't yeah. seen the actual penetration into say somewhere like Sumatra, Java, you know, the other parts of Indonesia. Yeah. In those provinces, do they actually have high internet penetration or it still f- falls behind with with respect to Jakarta and how's the mobile penetration like in those parts of Indonesia? Given Mata- so Lipo Group has such a big influence in Indonesia?
1: Right, so actually the, the consumer part of the equation in those cities outside of Jakarta is actually pretty big. The problem is not a lot of startups are there, not a lot of businesses are there, not a lot of venture money are there, so everything is you know basically the business if you want to do business you just have to be in jakarta if you want to make it big you just have to be in jakarta but the consumer you know i i confirmed this with uh, some uh, e-commerce companies in indonesia and they agree that actually uh, jakarta is only like 30 to 40 percent from the uh, the total transaction on their site so the rest actually comes from these cities outside of jakarta and this can be Like the uh, one of the big cities like Bandung and Yogyakarta and Surabaya or Medan but they also come from second tier cities cities that even smaller than those uh, you know those top five cities Mm -hmm. so this proves that the demand side from these rural areas actually exists not just exists it's actually quite big but the problem is it's really tough to invest in those cities so they have to be uh, centralized in jakarta which what we see now everything is centralized in jakarta
0: so what you're going to see is that it always starts from jakarta but kind of there's actually also an ecosystem outside and yes. I, I think at some point the money is going to be so hot in jakarta that people will look elsewhere right but that, yeah. that, that saturation has not happened yet in your view
1: actually now like a lot of telco companies and isps I think for the past year, they, ha- they are currently focusing on expanding their presence and winning the markets outside of the big cities. So the second tier cities, mm. a lot of companies like even the telco companies, they started, they already started rolling out uh, 4G networks in the big cities like early this year. But recently they are also uh, rolling out 4G and, and testing, like basically testing their 4G networks in the second tier city. So I think that's that's a solid proof. That, and this is not just the travel companies. This is also the cable companies, the ISPs. They also do the same thing. So I think next year, when they have a better infrastructure for these second-tier cities, I think it's time for uh, a lot of e-commerce companies or even, you know, internet companies to focus on these second-tier cities, you know, basically just a, like a secondary market uh, for them, mm. the, so- the big city Jakarta being the primary.
0: So I'll probably just kind of ask because in, for payments methods in Indonesia, because e-commerce is very driven also by tr- payment transactions. Currently, I think based on some data is that uh, bank transfer is kind of the largest, which is about nearly 60% and about yep. 30% is about cash on delivery. And I think it's only barely 7% credit cards. And that and yep. that, of course, be, being an emerging market, credit cards is not a very common thing in Indonesia, but of course in the developed countries credit cards are very very important Do you see this mix of payment methods change as it goes? Into the second tier cities or is Jakarta still going to experience a larger growth in the main credit card transactions itself?
1: Okay, so I think people need to move on from waiting that credit card is going to be big in Indonesia. Mm. You just have to move on because I know some people that uh, some companies that basically I'm just going to wait until the credit card penetration is larger in Jakarta Because, uh, you know, some people believe it will increase. I personally don't see that will increase anytime soon because the uh, central bank, basically the government is putting more and more regulation on people owning credit cards because I think it kind of touches some sort of unhealthy kind of points for consumers with credit cards. I have no idea what happened. Mm -hmm. I assume there's a lot of, uh, basically a lot of debts going around, a lot of, uh, a lot of You know, a lot of fraud, credit card maybe. But I see that mobile payment is going to be a significant player in the country. You know, I think it makes total sense because mobile is just, you know, is really big in Indonesia. But for e-commerce companies with, you know, I think the average transaction uh, on e-commerce companies now is around $40 dollars. In Indonesia I think there's a big issue because the average phone credit phone balance in Indonesia is only like 30 uh, sorry $3 around $3 so I think that poses a major issue in terms of e-commerce but I think as the wealth is growing in the market people will have more money people will have more you know appetite for digital content or even you know to buy stuff online that will change but you know, for credit card, I just, honestly, I just don't see that growing anytime soon.
0: Of course, one of the things about Matahari is currently they're also getting Credit Suisse and Bank of America to continue fundraising. I mean, half a billion is a lot, right? What do you think yeah, is the well, game plan? Apparently is it... not enough. Yeah, it's apparently not enough. So <laughs> <laughs> how much more money do they need in order to, from your view, as in, why do you think they need to raise more? Is it because of expansion into the other cities or is it to build up more infrastructure?
1: I think it's probably a secondary focus for them. Is after they launch probably in one, two years, they just want to, you know, they they would need to uh, invest more in infrastructure. So warehouse. And uh, I actually have a feeling that uh, with their, you know, currently strong infrastructure, offline infrastructure in in you know uh, all these big cities, not even big cities, also small cities, all over Indonesia, they are going to be focusing on COD a bit more, mm. and they, I think they have the privilege to, to to execute that, and they have the advantage to execute that a lot better than other companies, for example, like Zalora or Lazada, or uh, you know Blibli, because they're already all over the place right so it's it's going to be a lot easier for them to execute cod and to execute you know warehousing efficiency to deliver items to their customers
0: question does the lipo group own anything in banking industry
1: yes they do i mean dude literally they own a lot of things so wouldn't you name it they own a media you own, they own a bank they own a you know financial companies properties, everything they
0: own. The question for me is actually, is that because they own banks, so wouldn't the kind of bank transfer, which is kind of the highest payment method now in Indonesia, wouldn't they have a very big advantage over Lazada and Amazon?
1: Oh, I think it's, uh, I don't think that will play a big role because I think the banks are pretty open now and they're not like super exclusive and basically the biggest bank is just BCA and also Mandiri and the rest is just, you know, basically supporting those two.
0: So they have a very good talent acquisition strategy. So they hired Hadi Wenas from e-commerce, but is the kind of the deal with e-commerce still happening with them, between them and e-commerce?
1: Yes, actually. So even though Hadi Wenas is becoming the CEO of Matahari Mall, Matahari Mall is actually still using e-commerce, as their uh, what do they call it? Uh, basically, just their infrastructure for logistics, I think, and also for uh, some parts of their supply chain operations. Hmm. But the the good part is actually e-commerce is not only stuck with Matahari Mall. They're actually expanding their client list, so they close a few deals with some other big conglomerates companies to help support their e-commerce business. So <laughs> I think it works pretty well for both sides.
0: Okay, but then what happens if Matahari Mall, because they already have their own logistic systems as well, would they sort of end up in the end build their own because they have economies of scale?
1: Yes, I think that is one possibility. Honestly speaking, I can totally see uh, and I can totally believe if someday that Matahari Mall would just acquire e-commerce just right out, right? But I think uh, they don't want to... to commit too much on the logistic part that's why they par- still partner with e-commerce and see how it goes see if they can improve anything so they can see if they can optimize anything so once I think once they reach that economic of scale I think it's, it's going to be a good timing for them to you know, just to buy e-commerce right out
0: I, th- I saw one of the things that Mataharimor did was also to acquire talent through startup founders in Singapore they <laughs> took out uh, e-ping from all Deals Asia so yep. the reason for that is it because they wanted to leverage on expertise of people who run startups, and so they they have the hunger to drive the business. Is that a kind of their strategy?
1: Yes, actually. So actually, their top C levels like the CEO, the CMO, even their CTO also. So the, their, they hired just they just hired a CTO, and he was one of the early team of uh, building Tokobagus, which now becomes OLX. So I've known this guy for a long, long time and he's very, you know, if there's a startup CTO, technical guy stereotype, this is the guy. I mean, he's, you know, out of control and he's really good and, you know, he's just like scrappy, that kind of thing. So he's very startup minded. So I think Lipo is trying to plant a, uh, an entrepreneurial team that startup DNA to run Matahari Mall, and and I think that makes total sense, and it's actually a very very different from Rocket Internet, which is, mm. you know, it's run by by financial guys, bankers, analysts, but Lipo is uh, sorry, Matahari Mall is run by entrepreneurial people, entrepreneurs. So I think that's a very interesting approach, and uh, I think time will tell which one is more you know successful.
0: So that comes to my next question, Lazada. I mean, I, I was in Indonesia last year and I think sometime around 7 p.m. I was in a restaurant and I saw Lazada ads on TV, prime time, <laughs> Indonesia news. So they have been, yeah. I think the cost of acquisition per user from what I got through from various sources is about 20 US dollars. And I think they're still running on a negative eBay they have just raised $200 million from Tomasic Holdings, our sovereign wealth fund in Singapore. With that, how are they going to battle something like the Lipo Group?
1: So I think the rocket internet has always been about speed, right? So they just want to grow very fast and you know just super quickly just to beat all the comp- competitions. And Lipo, I think, is built for a much a longer-term kind of thinking. So this is not something... Like Rocket, the, the, their method has always been the same. Start something quickly, scale it quickly, exit quickly, right? They, that's why they IPO'd in, I think last year, right, they IPO'd. Mm-hmm. And LiPo is... I don't see LiPo going to exit at least in two, three years. So I think... And I don't think that's the whole goal of, of LiPo because they already have you know so much things uh, even if they have even if they will go ipo it's going to be like in indonesia you know not not outside of indonesia i believe i personally you know it's it's weird because rocket internet is uh is not an indonesian company but the top level is the decision making is made not by indonesians right while uh, lipo actually wants to build something by indonesians for indonesians so totally different approach and again i think it's time will tell what, which one will be successful but honestly i'm, I'm actually rooting for lipo mall to be very very successful because you know the industry needs it not just the lipo guys needs it but i think the country needs it as well
0: i have a very tough question to ask you And I know that, Rama, from knowing you, you are a person who welcome talent from all over the world to come to Indonesia. Do you think that the way how LiPo and Lazada battle in e-commerce is going to shape like the way how the Chinese internet startups like being very protected by government and nationalist sentiments against startups from overseas? I mean, one of the factors of why eBay lost in China to Alibaba was also because you know people like what you say, Indonesians built for Indonesians.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, looking at the recent government regulations, mm. I think we're pretty much. So I don't I don't know whose fault is this is this right? So I I just wrote a post yesterday, basically. So the government uh, is launching this new regulation. Basically, uh, states that whoever wants to buy and sell things online have to be verified. And by verified, I mean you have to be registered using your social ID number or also your text uh, number, which is, you know, for consumer, it's it's ridiculous. I just wanna buy things from Kaskus or Tokopedia or Bukalapak and I have to, Give you my ID number, and you know it's it's a barrier of entry, which is so stupid. I might as well buy some things from Amazon or eBay because I don't have to do all those things. So what I'm what I'm saying is the government has been putting some regulation that is counterprotective. So it's not protecting the local uh, industry; it's actually sending people out. It's oh. sending people it's like, so just don't go buy and sell through a local company because mm. you have to go through all these bureaucracy, just go buy out elsewhere, mm. right? So I think it's a very uh, ridiculous regulation, but it shows that the government is trying to do a lot of things in e-commerce. They see this as a uh, fast-growing kind of industry. It's all over the place now, and you know we just have to put some regulations on top of it or around it, whatever they want to do, they they will put more and more regulations in this specific sector. Mm. So I see that as a negative thing that will simply because not a lot of the people in the government actually knows what they're doing, especially in the e commerce industry. I mean, the private people, the startup founders don't even know what's going to happen in two, three years. And the government putting more regulations that will apply for next 10-20 twenty years—that's ridiculous. So I think when it comes to answer your your question about you know comparison between our markets and China, it's going to be exact opposite. If the government keeps doing this, then you know <laughs> I think it's going to be really bad. Honestly, okay.
0: okay. Well, <laughs> but, let's, you know, yeah. let's, let's take the government out for a while. I want to talk about your friend Tokopedia. They raised right. $100 million from SoftBank. Right. And I, I know you root for them. I mean, with Matahari Hari Mo's presence now, how much do you think it will affect them? And are they still focusing on becoming the Alibaba of Indonesia? Or have they branched out onto other parts of the business as well?
1: I don't think that's going to affect Tokopedia too much because they Tokopedia is C2C, right? Mm. Everyone can make their own online stores on Tokopedia while uh, Matahari Mall just basically selling their own items that they have offline anyway. So I think the the very presence of Matahari Mall actually shows the industry that e-commerce is a big business, it's a big industry. Mm. So if anything, I think it bodes pretty well for players like Tokopedia and Bukalapak simply because uh, investors see this as a viable investment opportunity. And I think that's, that's kind of proven because... You see more and more people invest in e-commerce these days.
0: Mm. So, is there a lot more C to C commerce happening in Indonesia now, as compared to say uh, normal direct e-commerce transactions, like if I buy off from Zalora or buy all something from right. Lazada?
1: So, I think now the the big game right now is just to, uh, to crack the whole mobile shopping experience. Mm. So, right now, uh, I know at least at least. Like four or five comp- or four or five startups that is currently building a mobile e-commerce experience or something. Mm. So I think because Indonesia is a, again, mobile is super huge, and e-commerce is not the current e-commerce player is not you know necessarily mobile optimized. So they're trying to to solve that problem. From four of these uh, mobile e-commerce companies, I know at least two of them already got seed funded. So, I think that's a good sign. I'm going to see, I'm pretty sure I'm going to see a lot more competition in this particular space in the next few months or until next year. Not taxi apps, eh? (laughs) No, I think, I just, I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) I think the government has been putting a good point on uh, Uber. So, yeah.
0: Okay. I want to ask you this question because there's a lot of talk about. India, and China, but Indonesia is the next largest market. What keeps you excited every day?
1: Yeah, uh, next year we're going to have this thing called the uh, Asian uh, ASEAN free trade thing going on uh, Indonesia and a lot of the uh, Asian countries. So I'm very excited to see how uh, the local players will see this as a, an opportunity. And it opens a lot of you know, opportunities and possibilities. And, you know, I'm just super, super excited. Although it's a bit scary because there's always a possibility of other countries exploiting us Hmm. instead of doing a win-win kind of deal. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see.
0: Hey, you know what? I heard that very prominent VCs from Singapore has already uprooted themselves and living in Jakarta now.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. I think I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's a good thing, right? So
0: yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm hearing that happening. That actually, the VCs are spending less and less time in Singapore and more and more time in Indonesia. So I think they are also oh, yeah. coming into your market as well. Yeah, I mean that's good. Given, given some, I mean, there is some small discussion on tech bubble. And actually, I did that in one of two previous episodes before this. Are you worried also that with so much investment, it could also lead to high valuations and a cause for concern of bubble? I mean, you, um, I, I think, Rama, okay. you lived through the Asian financial crisis period. Right. right? So. What are your thoughts on
1: that? There's definitely a concern with high valuation, but I think that's the least that we have to worry about right now. Mm-hmm. Even companies like Rocket Internet, they have been uh, hiring people with some really uh, top salaries, so above the regular salary, above the standard salary, and not, they started it. Rocket Internet started the whole thing, but other companies, because, because Rocket people are now very well paid, all the competitors also have to adjust the salaries. So I think now in the e-commerce space, especially for technical talents, the price has been super high for uh, good talent. And that actually uh, increases even for for businesses that surrounds e-commerce like agencies or uh, e-commerce consultants or software houses, all the talent price also increases. That makes their, uh, you know, their, their revenue demand also increases, which kind of, you know, drive the whole thing into an uphill kind of, uh, valuation, you know, at the end. But, you know, I think we're still a long way from, you know, having a bubble. It -hmm. is a concern, but I wouldn't worry about it now.
0: Mm. Okay. Help my audience, Rama. How do they find you?
1: Uh, you can find me on Twitter, which is my Twitter handle is Rampok, which is R-A-M-P-O-K. Or you can email me directly, Rama R-A-M-A, at dailysocial.net.
0: Mm. And that dailysocial.net, not just right in Bahasa, but also in English yes. as well.
1: You can uh, open the English version at uh, en.dailysocial.net.
0: Mm. And you can find me at bleongcw or at bernardleong.com or subscribe to us at Analyze, A-N-A-L-Y-S-E, dot Asia, or at Analyze Asia with our Twitter. We are found in Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iTunes. And please leave a review, one star to five star. And we really want to get some feedback, and I've been getting some, and that's why I got Rama onto the show today. So uh, Rama, thanks for you coming on again. I will talk to you again sometime soon.
1: Thanks for having me, and talk soon.